And hello, fellow campers. So welcome to the <laughs> Adventures to the Great Outdoors, uh, the ultimate podcast for all your nature enthusiasts and cinema lovers out there. So we're going to get together. We'll be your uh, matter of fact, I have Beth here. We're going to be your guys on this thriller, thriller cinematic journey through this wilderness. And we're going to be reviewing The Great Outdoors with John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. It's a privilege to have Beth here from the Made for a Movie TV podcast. So let's go on ahead. Let's go on this adventure. Hey, Beth, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me again. You're welcome. And I can actually talk this time. I, I don't have laryngitis anymore. No, so. was, you were a little squeaky last time we talked. Exactly. I no, wasn't wait, able no. to do my... Right. Right. Now that you can talk, though, can you say, like, Potawatominimac? I'm good. <laughs> I'm from Wisconsin, so I, I know how to say it. <laughs> but yeah, guys, it's been a little bit since I, I've done a podcast episode with Beth, and it's great to have her here. It's always have good company on this adventure through the paths of the wilderness of the great outdoors. And so without further ado, we're going to dive right on into this movie and like i said it stars dan Aykroyd, john candy this movie had a budget of 24 million and it made 43.4 million dollars at the box office what do you think about that i think that that's that tell me again what the, the budget was 24 and they made how much 43.4 million yeah i mean that's pretty good i mean for for back in the day especially for like a comedy, although I would expect it would to do well anyway, because it's John Candy and Dan Aykroyd, who at this time were huge. And I don't think I don't think they've done a movie to both starring together before or since. So it was kind of a big cinematic deal. Most definitely. And it was and this is also another John Hughes movie. So right. you never know what to expect with the John Hughes movie, especially no. when you look at John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. Right. This and it could actually fall apart because you're not sure if the chemistry will match up. But man, they do a fantastic job in this movie. They did have a lot of chemistry, and I think this might be the only film that Dan Aykroyd did with John Hughes as well. Now that I think about it, but they, I think the chemistry between them was amazing. But I think that also speaks to how good of not just comedians they are or were, but um, actors. How 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 much skill they had. They, they both knew how to handle and they didn't, they really kind of let each other work against each other instead of fighting to be the lead. If, if you right. know what I mean, like when they were on, on the screen together, their chemistry was amazing. And not, not, it didn't seem like one was trying to be the star over another. Exactly. That's how I felt, though, too, when watching this. The chemistry just balances back and forth between the two of them. They were able to bounce off each other. And it just works. Like we actually feel that brother, a brotherly relationship between the two of them. Right. So that's something I really liked about it. Yeah, um, and they and, and they seem to. I mean, it, it was very classic '80s in the sense that there's always kind of like in a comedy, kind of the bad guy, which obviously is Dan Aykroyd's character. But in the end, they were they ended up being friends and they sort of understood each other. But I think John Candy's character, he just had a really big heart, and I love that. I. I mean, his characters always did. And that's what I loved about John Candy so much is that you just really navigated to them. Yeah, you can definitely gravitate towards them because of how charismatic his characters are. He has a big heart, but he's also clumsy at the same time. 
as well. So yeah, you know, that's something that I really like. And he's also very relatable though, too. You can actually relate right. to these characters in this movie. If you're a kid, you're going to relate to the car- uh, to the kid characters. But now as a, an adult looking through this, through the adult lenses, you can actually relate to Chet and also John Candy's character too. So that's right. something that I really like though. Um, yeah. Carney says that she loves this movie. She also finds this movie hilarious, and she says hi to you. Hi, Brandy. So, okay, so going into this, uh, so basically we have Chester uh, Chet Ripley. His wife, Connie, and their two sons, Buckley, Buck, and Ben, are spending a week <laughs> vacationing at Wally and Janita's par- uh, Perks Pine Lodge Resort in Pitchagon, Wisconsin, believe it or not, for the summer. Right. So... They're driving, they're singing yakety yak. You actually feel the summer coming off them, the summer wind blowing in their hair. And they go to this cat, they finally arrive at the cabins. And my favorite thing is you, they go and check out, check in, right? And then Chet rings the doorbell. He goes, and and you and well, at first you don't see anything, you don't see a doorbell, and then all of a sudden you see this horn, it says, blow me. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a it's such a Don Hughes silly joke. <laughs> it really is. And then just like, well, should I do it? And his was like, I don't know. It says to blow me, so I guess. So he blows the horn. The dog comes up. It has this kind of Cujo kind of horror aspect to it because they weren't expecting the dog. A little bit of jump scares. And then the hotel clerk comes in. So what did you think of the opening scenes though? Oh, I, I loved it. I, I love that. Like just the, the singing when they're coming in, because it's kind of like, you know, like everybody's excited when they go on vacation and, you know, and, and I have to tell you, John, that one of the things I loved, even though this movie was not filmed in Wisconsin or anywhere near Wisconsin, it really had a Wisconsin feel to it. So they were really careful about how they filmed it. And I think probably when, so that the outdoor scenes really did give sort of a um, Northwoods vibe. So in Wisconsin, we have Southeast Wisconsin where you have Madison, Milwaukee. So those are kind of suburbs, really a lot of, towns and people and all this stuff but then we have what's called the Northwoods which is where they were and that's where all the lakes are and cabins and people people in Wisconsin go to the Northwoods for a vacation and it's a lot of fun and so for me just the nostalgia of that alone was like ah and I you know and it's it that's what the cabins are like and that's what the lodges are like they're just kind of communal and some of them are run down and they still are you still have a great time most definitely. And you know what? I could actually relate to this because my Uncle Paul used to take us uh, to this cabins up in Maine. It was called Carlos's Cabins, but the next town was like three hours away. Yeah. And there was no TV, like maybe a little small black and white TV, but it was there just to get away from everything. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. So this movie actually is very relatable to me in that kind of aspect to bring me to nostalgia, the same nostalgia that had for you when uh, when looking at this and yeah the cinematography is really good it really stands out i was just wondering too like it doesn't actually look like wisconsin and i'm glad that you actually answered that for me because yeah, it, I was it did about it, that. It, it did have a real wisconsin feel especially like when they went to that cabin they're like oh this isn't quite what i remember but i mean not it's just funny because there's a lot of rundown cabins that you can rent and they're still fun, even if they're a little rundown. And my mother-in-law has a cabin up in the UP that we spend a lot of time at in the summer and it's, you know, it's older and it needs a lot of work, but we have the best time up there. And that's kind of, I think that what people can relate to. And I think Maine is 
actually quite similar to Wisconsin in many ways. So probably your experience is very similar to what the Northwoods is like. But I do have to say, I don't, I mean, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there was a little thing in there that when, when they went to the lodge for the birthday party, um, he was like, he's the oldest living man in Canada. <laughs> and I have to say <laughs> the closest Drive to Canada from Wisconsin is about 10 hours. <laughs> right. Like up north of us is the UP. West of us is um, mostly, mostly, uh, mostly Minnesota. To the east of us is Lake Michigan. And then above the UP is Lake Superior. So we're not anywhere near Canada. <laughs> That's what I was wondering about because I'm like, wait, wouldn't that mean that they were close to Maine? Because Maine would make more sense than putting right. it into, uh, you know, putting it into that perspective of being in Wisconsin, you know? Right. Unless, I mean, I guess they could have put it in Minnesota and that also would have been a border to, to Canada, but we're not. And, and, the funny thing is, John Hughes would have known that he grew up in Chicago. He had to have known the geography. So I don't know if that was just an, an like an accidental thing or if he did it on purpose just to see if anyone would notice. <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> but still, it's still a fun movie, no matter what. Yeah. So, oh yeah, I loved it. Know. I didn't care. I just thought it was Me funny. Either. I'm like, I'm just. I was just like, I actually looked it up after that because I'm like, I really don't think it's. it's it's got to be at least eight hours. And I was right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they get to, um, matter of fact, they go over to the loon's nest from its owner, Wally. He all, go uh, he all goes as planned until Connie's sister, Kate, her investment broker, husband, Roman Craig, and their twin daughters, Mary and Cara arrive uninvited. And I like this whole entire conversation between the two of them. Are you sure it's okay? Look, how many times did we invite them? And, they never came or anything. So it's perfectly fine. Just, yeah, but we're not invited this time. <laughs> this is totally different. Because it'll be fine. It'll be, Chef will be perfectly fine with this. He'll be thrilled to see us. Then the next scene, you will see uh, basically Chet trying to make love to his wife. He's like, hey, Connie, guess what I found? And it's like <laughs> a little fish that's smelling. And then, of course, they said, hey, guess what I found, too? What? I found a toilet seat. And well, actually, the kids found that. That's what he said. Yes, <laughs> well, so then he goes, "Well, guess what?" I, and then she put. He winds up throwing out the fish, and he goes, "Well, let's see what's what do you have right here?" Next thing you know, he tries to unhook her bra, tries to make love to her, and then at that time, that's when Roman comes and <laughs> Vinny records uh, them with the camcorder and just turn it off, Roman, turn it off. <laughs> he goes, no, no, this is good stuff right here. And of course, at this point, the wife covers up the twin daughters. That looks like that they're from The Shining. Shining. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I definitely like that. Yeah, that was funny. I mean, he did definitely made a big, uh, big entrance. It was funny, and then he was kind of like, "Oh, here we are," and it's not really that nice of a cabin. But oh, I also read that it's Annette Bening's first movie role. Oh really? I didn't yeah, which know I that. didn't know. I I thought she was a big star at that point because it's. I don't remember her not being a big star. She probably had done television and stuff, but I read somewhere that it was her first film, actual film role. Okay, I never knew that. That's actually something. No, I didn't either. But you know, the opening that part when you see them coming in there and everything—that was just an awkward situation altogether. 
Yeah. You know? it, it was kind of a funny way to bring him in, I think. Especially because yeah. they're kind of like on their, I don't know, I don't want to say honeymoon. I mean, like a second honeymoon because they have their kids with them. But, you know, obviously they're trying to relive a time that they enjoyed being up there, which was on their honeymoon. Right. And, you know, John Candy's just trying to get the nostalgia feeling of being over there and having the kids there and trying to get capture the mem- same memories that he had. Right. Going up to the cabin with his father and stuff like that. Or vice versa with his wife and basically Roman comes in there and crashes the whole entire party. (laughs) (laughs) And then the girls from the shining who are strange to strange at best. (laughs) They are that I liked how the brothers just like, do you have like an airy feeling like something is wrong? (laughs) And then all of a sudden you're like, do, 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 do. And then And then after that happens, we wind up seeing this whole entire thing play out where now you have Chet uh, and him talking back and forth about, you know, he's basically uh, Roman is into the stock market, stuff like that, and investments. And Chet is pretty much like laid back, chill kind of guy that's family, just a family oriented person. And while Chet, while Roman is basically this rich guy, comes off as a rich person coming up as a stockbroker and then you have this back and forth conversation about the fact that chat wants to go ahead and put uh hot dogs on the grill and hamburgers he goes wait you're gonna you're gonna do what because you know what they're made out right what lips and hassle Yeah, they never like you get the feeling that Chad is just a real family guy because they never they never even say what he does for a living. But they make a really big deal about Dan Aykroyd's character, Roman, like what he you know, that he's an investment because, you know, he's and he then he's on the giant cell phone. Right. He's got the huge like 10 pounder. (laughs) And I'm telling you, even 10 years ago, there was not a lot of cell phone reception up there. So I don't know about that scene, John Hughes. (laughs) I don't know either, but especially, I don't think the cell towers would even be able to even get a signal to the point where he's calling the uh, preacher that he's talking to for this investment. I don't even think they had cell phone towers up there at that point, but (laughs) it was funny because, you know, cell cell phones were kind of a new thing. So I don't know that anybody knew, even knew how they worked at that point. (laughs) I think at that time they were just experimenting just to see how far it could go. (laughs) I'd like to get one up there now and see if it works. (laughs) Get an old one and be like, Hey, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) But I like how Kate uh, winds up, they're in the bathroom and uh, well, Roman's in the bathroom and he's over there. He has his towel on and he go, and all of a sudden he goes, I think the preacher hung up on me. Because <laughs> you never go to his church. I went once. <laughs> and then he's over there scratching his butt and the gr- the two girls that look like they're from The Shining is just <laughs> looking at him. And I like him. He goes, why does everybody look up to Chet? But no one looks up to me and look at me the same way that, that, that um, his kids look up to. And that's when you see the girls over there just laughing their butts off at the fact that their father is in this towel and scratching his butt. <laughs> and scratching his butt. <laughs> <laughs> Those girls were so weird. They were. They didn't so say a funny. single word. No. Did they the even say time. their names? Did they call them anything but the twins? They just I called them the twins. Remember. You're right. The, the whole twins movie. are here. <laughs> 
And then you kind of got the feeling like if they put their arms behind their back, there might have been a knife there. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but unlike still, Chet's I think it works. Two, yeah, I'm like, because I'm like Ch- Chet's two kids who were, you know, social and he seemed close to, and they seemed like a. I mean, I think the the kids didn't particularly want to be there because they wanted to hang out with their friends, typical teens. But they still like, you know, went along with it. Right. It, well, I can say the son, the teenage son, basically wanted to just see this see the town because he's never been in that kind of environment before. Right. So it was something new. So I can understand why the teenager wouldn't want to be around his dad or anything like that because it's something new to him. Yeah. Well, and he, and then he met the girl. There was that little teen romance, which was also a, I mean, you've watched enough 80s movies to know that's kind of a little bit of a trope. Like you got the family movie, but you also have like the cute teenage boy that has a little bit of a love story that you got to have to get, you know, the teenage girls to go see the movie, you know, it was, right. that was, that was fairly, I mean, if we think about all the body of, of movies in the eighties, that was something that happened quite often. Most definitely. And, yeah. you know, I just thought it was funny though, with the barbecue thing, he's like, well, we're not going to have no brother of mine is going to have a uh, hot dogs and, and hamburgers. And they wind up cooking the lobster's tails. Yes. And then after the barbecue, that's when we wind up running into the raccoons and the dialogue <laughs> that they have. And he, they basically have the same conversation that Chet and them have and Roman have. He goes, oh, they're from Chicago. They must have good food. <laughs> and the raccoon goes, oh, you know, we're going to eat good tonight, right? And all of a sudden they knock over the cans and he goes, oh, a whole thing of raw uh, hot dogs over here. Goes, you know what they're made out of, right? Less than assholes. So I like how they made the raccoons a character. Where right. they actually, I thought and they were great. funny. It was funny. Right. The, every time they had the raccoons on, it was funny. And I don't know. Did you watch the very, very end? Because they were on at the very, very end. Oh, like I forgot after about the, that scene. Yeah. After the credits roll, they're back on again for just, I don't know, 30 seconds or so. But it was <laughs> it was fun because John Hughes was kind of famous also for adding stuff at the end. Right. You know, and or or through the credits, I think he was he was pretty well known for that. So I always kind of watch till the end just to see if there's a little thing i forgot and they were back in at the end it's they're just so funny and then they, they put the brick on and they're like oh they put a brick ha 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 boom <laughs> over it goes <laughs> How we gotta, them. <laughs> we've got to talk about the bear yeah we, we're getting to that now okay so, yeah. uh, but oh, by the way i just want to mention this real quick because of the fact that they do mention the girls names the twin daughters oh, is okay. Mara and Kara. Oh, that's right. Okay. I don't remember them saying it, but I just remember they said the twins the whole time. But yeah. So Chet, uh, Chet thought that would be a great idea to tell a ghost story while also playing Monopoly. And <laughs> of course you get the stockbroker who's trying to give advice on, on where to go and all that stuff. But then Chet comes in there, turns off all the lights. And then this is where he winds up telling the ghost stories about, after the fa- uh, family barbecue includes one man eating a uh, eating grizzly bear that Chet met directly when he was younger. And then Chet says that while he and Connie were honeymooning at the same lake, he was attacked by a giant grizzly bear when he fired at it with a shotgun. The buckshot shaved the hair off the top of the bear's head. And from that on, 
It was known as the ball head beer of Clary <laughs> County. <laughs> I just love this scene. This scene is so good, but I'm gonna let you break down the scene though. Oh, okay. So, so he, t- I, I, I loved, I loved it because just because they were like, let's play a game, you know, and then they're playing Monopoly and Roman's like, you got to do this, do this, do this. And then, and then all of a sudden he gets to the, to the, to the bear story. And I love that because I don't know, it just like all of a sudden he turns the lights out and they're like, Oh, are you going to bed? And he's like, no, I have to tell you the story. And everyone, when he's done is like, Oh, geez. That is the dumbest story ever. Why did you tell us that? <laughs> and it was good. And the way he told it was pretty interesting, too. It was kind of fun. Right. But you got the feeling, until you find out later, that it really was just a quote-unquote tall tale. Right. Because he, he ended up saying the board started moving from underneath the cabin. And then this big, huge beer with this big bangs and the fog on the window was just fogging up because how gigantic this bear was and the floorboards are just moving because how big the bear was and then all of a sudden he kept on making them jump like three or four times while telling the story to the point where after a while connie goes okay we're going to bed just why what's it gonna do okay okay. (laughs) i may i may have exaggerated the story a little bit i made the things bigger (laughs) what do you do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah but if you came face to face with that big that was a big bear it's a big that bear was. so it would have big fangs it definitely had big fangs it was bigger than what um what we had anticipated though because when someone tells a story we don't know the actual size of the bear so you're thinking that with the story us uh, maybe a little small bear right we're not thinking like as a huge bear and then once yeah. you see it in this context, I'm like, oh, this is bigger than what we had thought. Yeah, and that and it was big. Like I've I've actually seen like a bear in the wild one time, and that was enough for me, and it wasn't even that big of a bear. The one that in the movie was like twice the size. <laughs> uh so then after that, after Roman pulls Chet around like uh Potomanic. That's actually uh, how I, uh, I don't know how to say like, that word. Potawata Thank you. And let me tell you, he broke many, many laws, many, many laws <laughs> pulling the skier. <laughs> and then when he was pulling like John Candy, he was like, um, you know, John is like trying to tell him to stop. And they think he's telling him to go because he's giving the signal to go faster. So they're like, oh, go faster, go faster. And he's like, ah! <laughs> I mean, he would have. He could have let go, <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't, wouldn't have been as funny if he wasn't like being dragged around this lake and, oh, he dropped the ski, look at him go. But it just was so funny because, you know, he's right. He's like going between boats and almost hitting people and yeah, many lost. He would have been in big trouble. Yes. Yes, he would have. This, you're right, though. He would definitely uh, be breaking a lot of laws here, especially when he gives him the and he, he's over there trying to teach his son how to water ski. Right. Right. And they and then, of course, you have Roman who buys this huge uh, jet boat. And all he wanted to do, all Chad wanted to do was buy this little small boat. They could barbecue on just relax. No fishing. Right, a little fishing. You know, it's going to be fun. It's good for the kids and everything. That's all we're going to do. And he looks over at his son and goes, we're just going to go ahead and do that, right? It's like, Jetpo, Dad. Jetpo, Dad. Yeah, and the other son, he looks at the... So, we're going to do this, right? Just just you and me. 
um, on with doing barbecuing, you know. But what do you think? Death boat dad. Death boat okay. dad. <laughs> so <laughs> and so this is what this is my favorite thing though too. So he's teaching him how to water ski, the youngest son, because the oldest son wants to go off on his own adventure and look around the town. And so you see this part where he's like, well, you know, he's going to go on here and lean back a little bit, you know. And then Roman and them are thinking that, what are they doing, dancing? What, what's going on over here? They, because the engine to the boat is actually uh, running. And then he's like, you know, you just got to lean back. Oh, oh, you're in danger. What do you do? He goes, I don't know. Uh, just let go of it. Okay. So, and goes, and then of course, Roman's in a rush to get this thing going. So he gives him like, so basically he goes, Hey, you're okay over there. So next thing you know, it he gives him the thumbs up points to his kid, you know, and then he starts waving. He goes, Oh, he's going. Okay. Next thing you know, it takes him all the way around the lake, which is hilarious. It's so funny. and then John Candy winds up losing the jet ski, uh, not, uh, you know, uh, losing the ski itself, not a jet ski, but just a ski. And I just thought it was hilarious about how he was dragged across the whole entire lake. Next thing you know, you have people cheering for him. He's like, yeah, yeah. The next thing you know, he winds up um, going back, you know, basically just tired out and just yes. goes back into the lake. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's such a, it's so funny. The way they film it is just so funny. And and it's just like, he's like, well, and they're like, what's he doing? Go faster. <laughs> so they do. <laughs> and at this point, Chet has had it. He had it with Roman. He had it with the ch- uh, this trip. All he wanted was a sample vacation, not something extravagant, not something big. But Roman always has to do something big. And I'll do Chet every single time. So we find up having Chet. He winds up getting his draw out and with his stuff. And Connie comes in there and goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm leaving. I had enough. I had enough of this, Connie. I had enough of this. I had enough of Roman. I had enough of him. Look what he's doing to our kids. All I wanted was a simple trip. He turned it into this. No, I'm leaving. He goes, so you're just going to leave the kids here and me and everyone else? He goes, you know what? Damn it. Now now I'm stuck here. Now I'm stuck (laughs) doing this now. Yeah, now (laughs) he's in it. And he's right. ready to leave and he doesn't want to stay anymore because he's mad at Roman because Roman is kind of being a, uh, a jerk. A douchebag. Yeah. I think he always is, which is why they don't spend a lot of time together. But Roman is either ignoring it or doesn't care or I don't even know what his I don't think he cares because, you know, whatever. He's a, kind of a, just a jerk. I think Roman kind of feels like everybody wants to be around him when Chet does not want to be around him at all. So, but I also think he doesn't want to upset his wife because it's, you know, that's his, you know, that's his, her family. So. Right. So he winds up staying and then you have this side story with Buck who tries to romance a local girl named Cammy, and the two brothers are there. They're playing pool. He's and Buck is trying to teach the youngest younger brother how to play pool. Then the pool uh, stick accidentally goes in between Cammy's legs, and then of course Cammy winds up calling him a ball bag, and then that causes Buck to run out to try to apologize to Cammy for what happened. It was just an accident, and that's when 
the next day you wind up having that whole entire birthday party for the old man <laughs> that you mentioned. And then he goes, and then they're like, they go to the party and then they go like, let's get a picture with them. And it turns out that he died on the drive over. <laughs> I like how uh, Chet's like, you know what, girls, give him a little kiss. You know, <laughs> give, give the goes, man a little kiss. Pulls a you know, and okay. <laughs> <laughs> Falls over. Ah! <laughs> What's wrong with him? He died. He died on the drive over. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a sick person. Well, it was an eight-hour drive, John. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> And I also like how we run into this other local who has actually been struck by lightning oh, 66 yeah. times. He goes, six times. Wow. Six times. 69 times. Oh, 69 times. And his hair is kind of like, he's super disheveled. Look, he looks like he's been struck by lightning. Then after that winds up happening, uh, then we actually have this other thing that happens too, uh, where now Chet is challenged to eat a 96 ounce steak called the, the old 96 er Was it ni- old, the old 96 er Yep, it was called the old 96 er The old 96 er What was that? What was that called? Oh, ba- Paul Bunyan's cupboard. Yep, Paul Bunyan's cupboard. And I think and, so. There's a place in Manaqua called Paul Bunyan's Cook Shanty, and I think they used the exterior for that because I'm pretty sure that's the actual. Now in the Midwest, we have a lot of Paul Bunyan statues. It's kind of a big deal. I don't know why, but there's at least three or four in Wisconsin, and I think that one they showed was actually from that restaurant in Wisconsin. Okay, I didn't. I I was wondering if the Paul Bunyan, if the like there was some Paul Bunyan. Uh, restaurants near that area and everything too that was also another thing i was wondering about yeah there's 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 one there's actually one in the wisconsin dells now but i don't think that was open at the time but in the area where i think that they were if this was actually supposed to be said it's called paul bunyan's cook shanty i've never eaten there but i've driven past it and it's like a i don't know 20 foot statue maybe bigger it's it's huge it's really big and it's a big like you know picture people stop to take the picture with the paul bunyan statue so okay yeah we actually have a paul bunyan thing over in uh louisiana though too over in franklinton and that area. yeah you should go have your picture taken with it yeah and you know uh, take a picture of the 109 year old man that might be there (laughs) (laughs) the oldest dead man in canada (laughs) right exactly and he just transferred over here but you know um but yeah, and you know, I definitely like this because of the fact they they go to this restaurant, and of course, it's the Paul Bunyan thing. But also, too, it's this cabin steakhouse restaurant that's that's really cool. And they're like, well, if you go ahead and try the ninety six, or you and your family gets to eat for free, yeah, the whole family, the whole family. So, because yeah, I'll go ahead and try that. Why not? You know, it's just steak. You know. The next thing you know, you wind up. I like how they turn this into like a basically a horror movie in a sense where it zooms in on the stake hanging down. And then you realize, oh, snap. Okay, he has to eat that huge thing. And then at that point, also, too, Buck also has a date with, of course, uh, the girl that he's wooing as well. Oh, that's and right. Yeah. So he's he's and, trying to leave, but he can't. Right. My thing was this, though. Okay. So. He was already done eating 
So why would he have to stay there anyways if he was already done eating? The whole family would have to eat for free, but the only person that would have to basically stay there is, in fact, Chet. So I was just wondering, like, I was just going on a deep thought with that. was like, well, he could have left. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing I could think of is that maybe it wasn't close to town. Like, it could have been out far enough where he couldn't, like... um, get there because I don't think he was old enough to drive or at least he didn't drive in the movie so um my guess would be that the that the restaurant is not in town and he would have been too far to to walk right that's that, that makes more sense to me now that you mention it especially with it being a small town like that but he could have he could have gotten a quarter and called Right. Said, "Hey, I'm gonna be gonna be late, but okay." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, then at this time, you know, Chet winds up finishing the steak. Oh, and he's so sick looking. He is very sick looking, and then he looks up at the chef. He goes, "You have to eat the whole thing." And then there was gristle. Right. Ugh. Roman goes, "What the hell are you talking about? There's gristle on this thing. All it is is gristle and fat." He goes, "It has to be the whole thing." Because okay, well, can you go on ahead and throw some Paul Bunyan hats uh, at, uh, at us though too for free? I'm like for chef sickness, George. Why not? What else do you want the man to do? <laughs> it's so, so funny, and he's just like Chet's just so sick. He's like, oh, and then they do the close up of the gristle and the fat and it's like oh no everybody's kind of sick along with him <laughs> but then he like leaves the restaurant and they're wearing the hats and so he he finished it they didn't show thankfully him eat that fat but he did it yep he took every single bite then that's what of course when we wind up seeing the trash cans are actually inside the cabin <laughs> <laughs> poor raccoons didn't get to eat the gristle <laughs> no but they did get to, they're like, wait, who who puts trash cans in the house? These people are not the cleanest people that you ever seen is with one of the raccoons. Raccoons. And then also, too, we also have another scene like the next night as well, where they have the bat that's inside the house in the cabin. Um, that's such a good scene where they, so they, there's a bat in the cabin and then they have to go in and get the bat out of the cabin. So everybody like, when they find the bat, they run out of the cabin like everybody, and then they send Chet and Roman back in to get the bat. And that's just hijinks. It's funny. It is. It definitely is. Um, but also, too, Buck also um, winds up standing um, Cammy up, and of course, that's where the problem oh, happens. Yeah. yeah. And he tries calling her. She's not taking any of his calls over at that little country uh, Sonic place that she works at. Then we actually have another scene where Connie and Kate bond at a local bar when the conversation drifts to Kate's feelings of loneliness with Roman despite their wealth. And this is also where she talks about the spin cycle. And yeah. <laughs> and I like how Connie goes, well, that works. Just, yeah, it, it works. <laughs> so, uh, so we have a little bit of a side plot on it, a little bit of a little bit more of an insight into their into the background, which is something I do appreciate the little small nugget of that with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a lot, but I don't think you need a lot just based on kind of their personalities. You kind of have an idea of what of, of them, but then you find out that like, 
you know, she's just not that happy because I guess, I guess being rich is, is lonely, John. I don't know. I mean, I'd like right. to find that out. I'll find out and let you know someday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so later, just <laughs> the peak of tension between families, Roman tells of the time at his and Kate's wedding when he overheard a conversation between oh. Shet and their father-in-law describing how they think Roman is a crooked businessman. Roman then tells Chet why he came up to visit to offer the Chet a $25,000 investment opportunity, feeling guilty from the wedding story. Chet is intently reluctant, but eventually agrees to write Roman a check for the whole amount. And I like how big of a heart uh, Chet has because he's like, wow, okay, so you really had my back. So of course I'm gonna do this for you. You're my brother. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this investment. And you know, he winds up giving him the investment money. And of course, you know, we wind up finding out that he was just trying to hustle out of twenty thousand dollars because he found another investment that was on the table that Roman had on the table. And the family says their goodbyes, and Roman and his family head back to Chicago. On the car ride home, Kate praises Roman for including shit in the investment. She's actually believing him. Yeah. Not nodding that the $25,000 is a lot of money for Chet's uh, family to be part of with. Not feeling guilty himself, Roman halts the car and returns to the cabin. But also, too, if it wasn't for Kate saying, wow, that could have been Buck's college fund or the other the other uh, kid, son's college fund money. Wow, that was money big of Chet just to give us $20,000. And then there was that moment of guilt where Roman was like, you know what? I need to go back. I made a big mistake. If it wasn't for Kate doing that, he would have been headed back over to Chicago. Yeah. And it's a little surprising that that actually did make him feel bad because he really kind of was such a jerk. that it would. It, you almost wonder if like he really would have felt bad, but he, yeah. So they ended up going back and then he's kind of like, well, hey, I hustled you. And that kind of upset Chet, obviously, because Chet really thought he, so he said he had a lot to drink tonight and he didn't that night and he didn't remember it. So he really thought he said that. And when right. he came back and said, I didn't say it that upset Chad a lot. And, and so he was like, I don't even want to talk to you, you know, anymore. And at that point though, we have that big, huge thunderstorm that happens. So right. now they're stuck with each other again. Right. And, and we also have yeah. to say that we know the thunderstorms coming because, um, um, lightning guy goes running. <laughs> <laughs> and gets goes running, he's like, oh no! Got him, goes running for shelter. <laughs> and it makes 70 times that he got struck by lightning now. That was so Which funny. I thought was hilarious. That was so funny. <laughs> oh. I like that bit, though. It could have been where it was like too much, too much on the nose, but just a little small, simplistic yeah. scene like that was just perfect. Yeah. John, knew, John Hughes was really a master of like knowing how much of a story to give to the movie. You know what I mean? Like he did just right. enough with that lightning guy that you, it was funny, but he did, it wasn't overdone at all in any way. In fact, if anything, it, it could have been a little more done, but I, it right. was so, it was that just that moment was just laugh out loud. Funny. Definitely. Most definitely. Um, so after this, during a thunderstorm, Kate discovers the twins have gone missing. Chet and Roman oh. find them at the bottom of an old mine shaft, but the claustrophobic uh, 
Roman is afraid to descend into the tiny space. After some encouragement from Chet, Roman reluctantly climbs down to the mine. While Chet searches for rope to pull them out, upon realizing the mine is stocked with old dynamite, Roman takes his daughters and escapes the shaft on, on his own. So, yeah, and, and that's a it's a kind of a long scene too, and it's kind of a dark scene, so it's you got to really watch it kind of carefully. But, um, but I think it's still a good scene. It's I mean it's it it obviously strays from being a comedy to a little bit of a drama at this point because it's not super funny, but it kind of is, I guess, when he finds the dynamite or when they find out the dynamite's down there. But now we find out that. You know, Chet's kind of the hero, but then Roman kind of steps up. So it is kind of nice that Roman, it's, it's kind of that moment in the movie where he's finally, Roman is finally stepping up. Right. As a father figure for right. his daughters and right. being the hero in their lives. So I thought yes. the cha- that was his great character arc. Right. Especially because I guess we, I guess we didn't really say that, talk about, and we don't really need to go in depth, but Roman is really like he talks to the, his kids, the twins, as if they're little tiny adults. You know, <laughs> he doesn't talk to them like they're children, which might make which is probably why they're kind of weird. So this is kind of a po- point where I think he started to feel some fatherly emotion towards his kids, like because they're in they're in peril and they need to go save them. Right. That, that's like whenever Chad's trying to talk to his kids. And try to calm them down after the ghost story, which we didn't talk about that. But <laughs> yeah. Chet winds up t- trying to calm his kids That's down. Right. He's like, look, I was just trying to tell you a story that was based on what happened with me and try to, you know, just give you a little story to go go with. I didn't mean to scare you. I'm sorry. Then you see Chet. Oh, no. Then you see Roman. And he's trying to compete with Chet. So he goes over to the twins bedroom. And he goes, hey, I just want to let you know, anything that your Uncle Chet said and everything was just a make-believe story. And he could have just left it at that. But no, then he was up telling him that my more gruesome story. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, okay, girls, buck up. And then he, like, leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and the girls are just laying there like, oh, my God. I know, Especially they're like. They- Terrified. Because, <laughs> right. Even the other scene that you that I want to mention though too is where come on, all kids love bugs. <laughs> and he's over there slapping the flies and everything. He goes, especially uh uh light bugs that because their uh their butts light up and all of a sudden the girls look at each other and scream. <laughs> ah, I forgot about that scene. I don't know right. how I forgot about that, but that was funny. Yeah. Then they just but yeah. scream. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is actually a moment of truth for him. You have John Candy uh, coming down there with the uh, rope. You have Chet coming down there with the rope, trying to pull them out while Roman's over there getting out of the uh, cave. And so he leaves. Chet comes over. tries. To, he goes, hey, I got the rope now. Just, uh, just grab onto the rope. And at that point, the beer is down there. The beer with no, uh, with no hair on top of his head. You see this like reverse scalp, like reverse mohawk on the on the bear, and it's so funny. It just adds such levity to that moment because it's like it's kind of suspenseful and tense because you're like, oh no, who's going to save who? Is everyone? I mean, it's a comedy. We know it's going to be okay, but it's it's good storytelling. And then all of a sudden, this bear shows up. <laughs> <laughs> and he pulls him out of the mine shaft and he goes, Bear, big bear. He starts running all the way back to the cabin while the bear is chasing him. Then Connie and Kate are over there cooking. 
goes, oh, good. You're, we're cooking your favorite meal. <laughs> and he's like Bugs Bunny at this point. He has his arms <laughs> in the back of one of the doors. Big Bear, Big Bear, Big Bear, Chasing, Big Bear. Oh, he's playing charades. Big Bear, Big Bear, Big Bear. Oh, yeah, Big. Okay, okay. No, no, no problem. <laughs> he goes, Big Bear Chasing. Boom. There goes the door. <laughs> it's so funny it's just like just thinking about it is so funny because they're like oh you know having this great time cooking and they're like oh he wants to play charades (laughs) bear Bear. (laughs) and then the bear's on top of the door just bouncing (laughs) the door on top of Chet while this is happening because he actually knocked the door off the hinges and then the bear goes on ahead, starts chasing after the uh, Connie and Kate and the rest of the kids. Then you see, you wind up seeing Chad put the h- a hinge back on the door again. And at that point and everything, he's over there still trying to tell him that there's a big bear because he's still in shock. <laughs> and then here comes Wally with the gun with the lamp on it. And... Wally plugs in the lamp with the shotgun with the lamp and just like, let me have it. And he aims the, uh, aims the shotgun. And of course it winds up, uh, he winds up shooting it. And then of course it winds up shedding a piece of, uh, the hair off the bear's ass. You can say the bear bear is now bear ass. That was Thanks so funny. <laughs> but oh, yeah. So funny. It really is. But I thought the scene really works. I really think that it still holds up. It still tickles oh, yeah. my funny bone every single time I see it, especially with this, the ass cheeks. Yeah. This whole, the whole <laughs> movie really held up well, I think, for in the test of time. And, you know, there's there, we've talked about this because we've done a bunch of John Hughes movies. And some of them, there's some problematic stuff going on. There's no, there's no doubt about that. This one is not... This one, from beginning to end, is just kind of a good 80s family comedy. It really is. And I really love how they ha- give us relatable characters like Chet and also Roman. While also, too, you, even if you're a kid, it's very relatable to a kid that's experiencing summer vacation, being with their fa- parents while they want to go off and do their own thing, and stuff like that, too. And also have maybe a little summer romance as well. So it's definitely relatable. Yeah, I, I just liked it. I loved I wa- loved watching it again. You know, you just it's kind of like watching a Michael J. Fox movie where you're like, oh, I just really enjoyed that. You know, and I, also, by the way, he just had a 61st birthday last week, Michael J. Fox. Oh, wow. Yeah. Happy late birthday, Michael J. Fox. I know. I love Michael J. Fox. We're on the, on the podcast where I did not know this, John, but Family Ties made a movie. It was called Family Ties Vacation. I never knew and, that. Yeah, so actually, Casey and I are re- um, are reviewing it tomorrow. We're actually recording tomorrow, so I just got done watching it. I don't know for the third or fourth time, and I just love Michael J. Fox. I'm gonna have to listen to that episode when we guys have it because I'll I'm let you know when it comes out. Oh yeah, you hey. follow us, so you'll know when it comes out. Yeah. It'll, it'll be out in July. I'm not sure which which date, but it's just it's you know I don't know how I can't remember how many movies we've done. Three, I think Michael J. Fox movies. We yeah, still have a few done, to go through, but we've done the our like our favorites. Doc yeah, Hollywood. Yep. Uh, Secret of My Success. That's right. Doc Hollywood. And, Doc Hollywood. And oh, we did uh Teen Wolf. Yeah, we did Teen Wolf together. So and that's then, four. Yep. And before my 
good friend Ben passed away, we did uh, all the Back to the Future movies. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was actually one of the first ones that I've ever done whenever I came back to the YouTube channel. So it was just great to actually have Ben here whenever he was alive. Oh, and when yeah. the, he was, uh, we call it movie trivia Ben because he knew everything about Back to the Future. That's awesome. Yeah, Mike has a cousin, um, Danny, who who loves the Back to the Future trilogy, and he knows everything about the movies too. I I just saw the first. I just saw the first two again not that long ago, but I haven't seen three in a while. So I gotta, gotta the first check that out. Up. Yeah, I I mean I. I thought they were all pretty good. I mean, you know, as trilogies go, sometimes things wane, but I thought as a, as a trilogy, they're all probably one of my favorite trilogies. Same, same here as well. But uh, let's segue back into the last final part to this part. Right. This movie. So the next morning, the family is part on and in simple terms, Cammy accepts Buck's apologies and they in their brief romance to Chet's dismay, Connie reveals that she invited the Craigs to stay with them until they can recover. The Ripley's uh, return to Chicago as Chet plans to beat Roman to their house. And I like how he goes, um, "Beat you to your house." He's beat me to my house. He goes, yeah. He goes, "Beat me to my house." And he looks over at Connie. What, what does he mean? He goes, "Oh, um." I told them that they can stay at the house until they get back on their feet. And she goes, if you hurry now, we can get the good spot in the uh, garage. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they all get in the car, they drive. And then, of course, that's the end of the movie. But during the credits, I believe the scene from uh, shows Chet, Connie, Roman, Kate, and Wally in a bar dancing to Land of a Thousand Dances. And then there's a post credit scene that you mentioned. Yeah, I love the postcard scene. I think that you know it almost sets it up for a for a um a sequel, and I wonder if there was one in the works. I have to look that up. Oh, I actually have that information. Oh, do uh, tell. Okay, so basically there are plans. As a matter of fact, I remember when they were going to try and reboot it with Kevin Hart. Okay. And so I don't know if that's still happening because it's been a long time since that happened. We're talking about 2017 when they announced that. Oh yeah. So it was going to be Michael DeLuca and Kevin Hart going to be was going to be in that movie, but in 2021, the Hollywood Reporter also reported the fact that uh, Ackroyd said that he wanted to do a sequel <gasps> to the film. Oh. But my thing is this: I think it's perfect as a one-off right now yeah. because of the fact that John Candy is not around, yeah. and so basically Ackroyd is looking for like a John Candy kind of character. Yeah, I think if they were going to do it, they should have done it already. I, 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 I think without John Candy, I mean, I, I mean, I guess if they completely rebooted it, like with Kevin Hart, that would be great. But if Dan Aykroyd were, awkward, Dan awkward, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd were to come back, I don't think that would work because without John Candy, that wouldn't. I just don't think. And I mean, let's face it, he's. He's aged, so it would be a really different movie years. anyway. Yeah, I mean that's a long time, so I'm not I'm not sure how well that would work if they tried to do it. But a re a reboot would be fine, like I said with Kevin Hart, that would actually be funny. I wonder if COVID killed that. Uh, I think it would be okay, but get this though: you want to know what the name of the movie was going to be for Dan Aykroyd's project? What the Great Outlaws? That that was going to be what it was going to be called. No. 
It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't sound right. Just, no. no. I would actually like this title, The Great Outdoors Return to the Cabin or something like that and That'd have the kids now as adults and have Roman there reflecting back on the time with him and Chet and telling the grandkids stories while also to the fathers, the fa- uh, both brothers telling the story of Chet. I think that's a great that's a great idea. That I like. Because but I think like yeah. this. You can hit on the nostalgia factor while also not hitting it over our heads and let it be its own thing and do it right. that way. Yeah, you have a new movie with the recurring characters. Um right. in, yeah, I mean I think I that, that is actually a really good idea, John. If they were gonna do it, that would be the way to do it, I would think. But I mean, I don't think that Dan Eckert should necessarily be the star. No, he needs have to be to let the, the star. Yeah, let the kids, now the cousins with their families. That'd be kind of funny, especially if the twins had, each had twins or something weird. <laughs> <laughs> I would love, I would, I'm all for that, to be honest. I think that'd with be you. funny. I mean, I don't know how often that happens, but I mean, you can do whatever you want and you're, it's your story. <laughs> right? Dan Aykroyd, call me up and I'll hit you up on Twitter or whatever. Hit me up and I'll t- give you this pitch for the movie. Right on. <laughs> it's a good movie, John. They need Thank to you. make it. <laughs> they really do. So that's it as far as the show goes. But Beth, my question is for you. Where can everybody follow you at and all that stuff? Oh, where is it? You can has- give us a give the hashtag a Goog. MF TV MC podcast. You'll find us. Just Google it. Made for TV Movie Club podcast. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We got a w- web page and I'm actually going to start a blog about the 80s, which I've oh, already nice. I've 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 written several articles. I just haven't posted them yet. So we're going to kind of kick that up on the web, on the website soon. So, okay. And, and then you can always find me here on your show. Okay. That's we talked perfect. about it. We're going to do another movie this summer, at least one more. Cause we talked about one earlier. And then I yeah. would, I really want to talk about, um, now I can't think of the name of it with, um, Val Kelmer. Is it the saint or no, the one with uh, the comedy where he goes, he's in college. He plays the grad student. Now I can't think of the name of it. I can't think of that one. I know. Cause now I got, I got top secret in my head and that's not it. But at any rate, we're going to do that one too. I want to talk about, cause it's, a, it was a great movie and I actually saw it on, I don't know, it was streaming recently. So I'm like, yeah, we got to talk yeah. about that one. Yeah. We're going to be doing Michael Keaton's uh, night shift. Yeah. I can't wait. We're going to be doing that sometime in the summertime. And I can't right. wait to dive into that film. I definitely love that film. Yeah. Uh, speaking of diving into summer movies, you guys voted for this movie. And so with that being said, because you guys voted, we're going to be reviewing The Sandlot on July 5th. At eight o'clock Central Time, nine o'clock Eastern Time, I'm gonna have my good childhood friend Kyle joining me for this one, and another good friend of mine from Anthony from ACS Universe off of YouTube. He's joined me for the RoboCop review, the Last of Us review, stuff like that. So go on ahead, follow him over there at ACS Universe. I also have the Black Power Rangers coming on tomorrow. These comedians are just fantastic at what they do. You guys can go on ahead and follow, and go on ahead and give them a follow at the links that you see. In the descriptions on the next show tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, we will be reviewing the 1995's uh, Power Ranger movie. And then 30 minutes after that, we're going to be doing the interview. So that's everything that you guys need to know as far as the things that are happening here at Movie Lovers Unite. 
Beth, it's always an honor and a privilege to have you on here. Thank you so much for doing Thanks, this review uh, of The Great Outdoors. I always You're very welcome. It. Thank you. Anytime. And always until next time, guys, stay awesome. Bye-bye. 